from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Thursday home, Silver 7's is the spot. Willie Ramirez is here. It's Cofield. It's Trending at 2, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. All right, well, let's get right into it. What's going on, buddy? Oh, you know, not much. We got a lot of stuff going around. Got a lot of sports gearing up. <laughs> we got some state high school football going on. We got Golden Knights tonight. We got you got a, what, are, what are you working on? A tootsie roll there? What's happening? I got I got the protein. Uh, I got a little protein box over here to get me through until dinner over at hummus. Up, yeah, grilled chicken and hummus plate. Oh, you really meant it with your love of Mediterranean food. Come on now. Got to stay with the heritage. We're messing around. No, 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 no. Gearing up, gearing up, gearing up. So we got uh, Thursday night football tonight with the Patriots and the Falcons. You know, I, I'll tell you, and we'll break down the game a little more in the 4 o'clock hour. The Falcons were one of the most mysterious teams for me the last, like, three or four years. I have no idea ever what's going on from a spread standpoint. Mm. They're they're the team I, I think I dislike the most to bet. That said, I bet them. There's always that one team that you can't figure out. Yep. You either stay. There's there are teams we stay at. We stay away from. There are teams you you're dialed in at. You, you end up you know seven and one on the year whenever you play on or against them. And then there are teams you just can't figure. And here's the thing. I don't know about you, but that entire division can be tricky. That NFC South, Atlanta. Yeah, I don't have a good New feel. Orleans, Carolina. When was the last time you could really say that you had a good feel for any of those teams? Tampa Bay, maybe now with Brady after what they did last year, but have you ever really had a good feel for that? Think no. about that. No. Saints were a little more predictable with Breeze, and now they're a uh, sports, were they really? sports book. Now the Saints are a sports book and sharp darling, so I feel like there's no line value on the Saints ever. But were they really when, when the uh, – even then – you, you never get, I mean, the Saints could be undefeated and play a one-win Falcons team. And those those shootouts that, that those teams used to have. Panthers come around with Cam Newton back then, when, you know, back when he was originally. I, it, that's just always been a quirky division for me. Well, tonight's game is now six and a half. Patriots favored on the road. Total, I like the Patriots, by the way. Total is 47. You like the Patriots? I'm on the other side. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. I think that I think that it's taken some time and Belichick still Belichick. Let's not let's not take let's not forget who's coaching that team. That defense has improved. Mac Jones has emerged as easily the best quarterback from the draw. Um the offensive line is doing a great t- job in protecting him. And I just don't know what to think about the. I, here's the thing: I know it's one of those games where everything looks like it's perfectly set up for the Patriots, so you automatically should be going the other way. But I, I don't think this is one of those too good to be true games. I think I think we we're getting exactly what we see, and I think the Patriots are going to dominate this game. So we'll get you ready for uh, Vegas Golden Knights and also Raiders and Thursday night football tonight. I don't follow the high school scene a whole lot. Yeah. So it's funny. Someone was just texting me about Thursday state championship games going on right now. I think Gorman was up at the half on McQueen, like 42 nothing. Uh, that was a 12-20 start. There's more games coming up. And there was a 9 a.m. game. 
Yeah, I believe that was single A. Okay. Uh, so all the classes have, so all the classes are, are are playing in one shot today. Thursday, state title, high school football. Yeah, I I I, I know. It's weird. What I, do you What do you know? I mean, I get if it. you're a parent of these kids, Thursday at noon. I guess a couple of questions: If Allegiant can't or the Raiders can't accommodate the schedule, then why are you playing there? Here's my question. <clears throat> and the I, second I, the second question is: Why can't Allegiant accommodate? Hold on. The games. Time out. Time out. When did UNLV in Hawaii play? So that was on a Saturday at one o'clock. And when did the Raiders play? Sunday night football. Okay. So I just put an inquiry out. When you got here, you asked me. You were fired up, by the way. You're fired up like I was fired up yesterday. A little cranky. But you asked me, <laughs> uh, you asked me, what's, what's the deal? Why can't, you know, why couldn't yeah. they play tomorrow? You got the Rebels tonight. Well, why can't they play Saturday? Why can't they asking. play Saturday? Okay. Now, here's the thing. Here's the funny thing. They said, the, the, the text I sent was, why, what's the deal with Thursday? Why couldn't they play Saturday? I said, well, something about not getting the field changed out. Wasn't getting the field ready or prepared or whatever. It was yeah, we've heard about changed. this the whole time. This is why UNLV is playing so many Thursday and Friday games. Okay, but they played last week on a Saturday. And then, so here's my question. If they're playing tonight, or if, if, if UNLV is playing tomorrow night, I'm not sure how long it takes to change that out. I know that they. Why do you have to? You don't have to change anything out. I'm guessing today they're playing on the turf. They're playing on the rebel on the Raiders field tonight. Oh, they are. Yeah, they're playing on the grass. Yeah, they're playing on the oh, Raiders. That's field. interesting. So they're going to switch that out for tomorrow night's game, and they're going to switch it out for Sunday's game. Whereas you could have prepared yourself and maybe done. I'm not sure. I, I don't know, but I know that they made a big deal last week with the big. They they showed the, the I think it was Allegiant Stadium's Twitter and they did it in fast forward. They did the right. how how they change it out and everyone was all impressed. Oh, that's cool. Blah 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 blah. I've you seen know. I've seen him do it before as we're leaving the stadium. I see him changing it out. I mean, come on, They're, these crews. This is what they do. This is this is what they get paid for and this is what they specialize in. I remember seeing the crews break down T-Mobile with the ice for a Justin Timberlake concert and then two days later back for the Golden Knights. So it was. Up, 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 up. The turf, roll it up, wheel it in. It shouldn't be that big of a deal. We're going to do UNLV field for the Rebels, UNLV field for State, and then wrap it up, roll it in, get it going. All right, as long as you're okay with it. No. And I, I, don't, I don't know if I've, I haven't I, just, I haven't followed this enough to see if there are high school parents complaining. I just, I don't know, it seems weird to me. And, again, um, this is part of the discussion we had when you're talking about a publicly funded stadium to the tune of over a billion dollars once the roads are done. You know, oh, we own the stadium, but the Raiders control the stadium. And listen, if you want to, I mean, I don't, I don't think UNLV playing on Thursday and Friday nights is the greatest thing. It does allow them to get into those TV slots late night. Like, you know, this. Let's be honest. This Friday, on one hand, it's cool that UNLV football and basketball are playing good opponents. But to have the games at the same exact time and both late, late Friday night is kind of a screw job for fans. I mean, UNLV's playing at 8.30 on, that's football, on Friday night. Basketball goes at 9.30. Now, that a lot of that is, again, they're both dictated heavily by TV. But UNLV football bounced around a lot this year. Like, the Saturday game against Hawaii was freaking a rarity, right? They only had a couple of Saturday games at home. So, 
when I saw that the high school kids are playing at 9 a.m. on a Thursday or noon on a Thursday, I'm like. That was 2A state championship. Right. Yarrington beat the Meadows 35-26, by the way. Just to, just to get it out there. Give them a little pub. Uh, right now, the big schools are playing. So I, and that's I don't get the order of how they're doing it, why they're going 2A all the way to Gorman and McQueen. Maybe they understood. Maybe they were trying to be in a competitive sense. They knew that kind of know that Gorman's going to run away with it, so they so they knocked that out, and now they're going to do in between. There is a, I'll tell you one thing. Let me just throw this out there for anyone that's listening. I believe it's Silverado and Shadow Ridge play, and I'm happy for both of those programs. I just want to say Andy Atzalazo over at Silverado, Foster over at Shadow Ridge, these are guys that have really worked their tails off with these programs um, for the longest time, stuck in that in that big bracket, um, the big classification, I should say. And I remember when Foster came in over at Shadow Ridge um, and he really, I mean, he took some lumps, took some time to build the chemistry with that program and sort of, as we say with college, right, build a culture. I'm really happy for both of those programs. That should be the best game of the day um, in terms of as close as you're going to get to the 5A. That should be a fantastic football game. Just shout out to those guys over there at Silverado Channel. And the flip side of it is, yeah, it's a Thursday. Yeah, the parents, you know, anyone who wanted to watch the game probably had to take a day off, which ain't that easy right now. Um, the kids do get to play at Allegiant, so yeah. that is cool. But you would hope in the future there's a way to accommodate this so that they can actually play on a Saturday. And here's the thing on a Saturday, you still have to, if you're going to play all the games, you still have to start early morning to get all the games in. But, uh, to, but thir- to me, Thursday is kind of rough. They used to do that back in the day when I first started my career. And they, they, you know, that was always an all-day thing over at, at the uh, at Sam Boyd. And of course, back in way back in the day, it was called the Silver Bowl. Um, it was just an all-day thing, and you'd be out there for four classifications: one A, two A, three A, four A. And we and we we camp out in the press box and be sitting up there. And I used to be banging away on my old Tandy. You remember those? <laughs> yes, those I do. Are, yeah. yeah. Yep. Willie's here. It's Cofield Silver Sevens. I got seventy-seven cent beers going down. In just a little bit during the Thursday night football game. That's all NFL games. And also that 77 cent special is good during all Vegas Golden Knights games. So you got the uh, the double dip tonight. We'll get you ready for the Knights in just a couple minutes as we roll on live here from Silver Sevens on a Thursday. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 2. It's a refi-rated Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Carolina controls. Left point shot. Gloved by Leonard. How did he see that? Brady Shea, the defenseman, fired from the left point. The lefty got him through a lot of traffic, and Leonard snatched it right in front of his goalie mask. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Yeah, Willie's here. We're tracking the uh, high school scores over at Allegiant. We got hockey tonight. BGK is back against hopefully the more manageable Detroit Red Wings, although they couldn't handle them on the road trip. Uh, that was a highlight against the Hurricanes. I got news for you. Yes, what is it? The Golden Knights have a better shot of managing opponents than they do their COVID issues. So what is the latest? The latest is the same as we talked about yesterday. Same three guys. They didn't do a um, – uh, that would be William Carrier, Jonathan Marchessault, Michael – Amadeo, Amadeo, Amadeo. Um, by the way, I did suggest to the DJ, Joe Green, in-house, 
that when he does score his goal, that he, he should do Falco song, Amad, Rock Me Amadeus. That should be his goal song. Um, no morning skate today, no media availability, so probably just precautionary. Game time is as scheduled, 7.05 tonight. So um, all systems are go. I think everything is just being precautionary, um, keeping the guys isolated, scouring the uh, facility, making sure that the locker rooms and everything is safe over at T-Mobile. Um, and in come the Detroit Red Wings, which should be um, a competitive battle. Golden Knights looking to get you don't, back. You don't, sound that, you don't sound that convinced. No, no. Competitive I, on which end? Can the, can the Knights pull it together here with, you know, what feels like a freaking third empty roster? Well, it's been empty. And they're, and they're, they're on an 8-3-0 and run. So, I mean, they've been doing the best that they can. The captain is is in the lineup. You know, every time somebody comes back and they lose, are, are, is everybody going to be in panic? Going, oh, here we go. We, we're we missing this. We're missing that. Golden Knights are 9-7-0 and this season. They're on an 8-3-0 and run. The Red Wings are 8-8-2. They're 3-6-0 on the road this season. This will be their 10th road game. So, you know, I I, I'm, I think that the Golden Knights should be able to beat this team. Um, the Red Wings haven't been playing. They haven't done anything spectacular. Um, you know, they're, they're not. They should be able to. Uh, the Golden Knights should be able to play their style of hockey. They should not have to adapt like they did the other night against the, um, the Carolina Hurricanes. Red Wings come out. One of the things the Golden Knights always, we question them. Sounds like the Golden Knights and the Raiders have the same problem. Is that is scoring immediately, getting off to a fast start, controlling the tempo from the jump. Well, the Red Wings have been outscored 17 to 10 in the first period this season. Um, they've been outshot by 45 shots, 200 to 155. So if the Golden Knights can come out and somewhat control that, the other thing that the Golden Knights, they've been really good at, as, as bad as their power play's been, they have the sixth best penalty kill, home penalty kill this season. The Red Wings are horrendous with their special teams. They rank 24th with the power play, 24th with the penalty kill. On the road, Detroit's penalty kill, 28th in the NHL. So Golden Knights, they can play their game, get their forecheck going. It was something they emphasized the other night. And, and get Red Wings to be sort of playing on their heels and draw some penalties, I think that the Golden Knights will be okay in this game, and they should get back on track. We need to pick up the energy for the Raiders at the end of the week here. I feel like a bad go. vibe going around town. So we like bringing on former Raiders. We'll do that on the way back. Xavier Pope is coming up later in the hour as well. Cofield and company here at Silver 7. Daily happy hour starts at three with beers, well drinks, and margaritas, just two seventy-seven. We like to think that we're the glue that kind of holds things together. You know, it's the last play of offense on punt because we have the ball, but it transitions into the first play of defense for us. So our number one job in, in coverage is to set our defense. And our number one job in the return game is to set our offense. That's our job. So when we do it well, we usually have favorable field position to give us a chance to go down and score. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. Thursday night football on the way. William Hill numbers right now, six and a half. Falcons getting six and a half. Total is 47 and a half. We'll get into the numbers 
on the game with Brad Powers in a couple hours as he breaks down college football in the National Football League. Willie is here. Willie Ramirez. It's Cofield. I'm, I'm throwing in, your hands up. What's going on? I'm in a. You know what? I was kind of sluggish, and I was kind of just ho hum. And look at look at where am I going after this? Did you you haven't I, even commented? Usually, I don't know. Work out. You got a sweatshirt on. You were just eating some hummus. I don't know where you got a you got a freaking bucket of coffee. Is that coffee soda? What is that? We're on till five. Where am I going from here? Golden Knights game. That's a good point. No suit. I was kind of just kind of like ho hum today. So what do you I, do? Stop by the I, gym and change into the suit? No, I'm in a great. I just no. I got here and just you got on the air. We got going and now I'm in a good mood. Don't good. bring it down. What do you mean? I brought you up. <laughs> let's get good, good, good. Let's get into this. Come on. All right, so we love having the former Raiders on, right? Yes. So we got we we have a former Raider who is now a resident here in Southern Nevada, and you know what I appreciate about this dude? He did an interview a few years back, and he said, which we're going to ask him about, that the fans will follow the the love, the Raider Nation. It will come here, but I also love that this guy's gotten out in the community with the high schools and really gotten the Raider involvement. James Harris, former. Oakland Raider joins the show. James, how are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? How are you guys doing out there? We're good. We're good. We're real good. All, All right. right. Well, let's get in. Let's get into uh, Willie. Just mentioned your involvement in the community. So, talk about some of the things you've been doing over the years here uh, in Henderson oh. and around Las Vegas. Okay. Well, I've been um, involved with the uh, with the Raiders, uh, getting the community together with the Raiders, letting uh, the community know that the Raiders are. Organization that uh, is a, that's right here, not just a team. Uh, we part of the, of the Las Vegas family now since we've moved here uh, permanently. So I'm just out there every every time I get opportunity uh, to to preach about uh, the Raiders and the Las Vegas uh, community together. And I love high school football, so I go to a lot of high school football games and I get to see the kids. That's that's coming up next and uh, may be the pro or may be the next great college football player. And, and they got a lot of them around here in Las Vegas. James, and, and I know, so you were with the Oakland Raiders in 88 and 89. And I've noticed, and I've been here since 1972 in Las Vegas, and how important mm -hmm. high school football has been a part of this community when we had 10 teams, 10 high schools, right? Mm -hmm. And now we've got wow. over 50 at every classification. And what I've noticed and appreciated um, in doing some coverage for high school football right after the Raiders announced that they were coming to here is they had have a table set up at all at a lot of the games. And then they'd have a showcase game and they really wanted to implement that first question, I guess, two part question. Do you remember that in Oakland? Has that always been something that the Raiders have wanted to make sure that they did was that that they filter down their love for the community, not just the fans that are showing up to the stands, but to the high school ranks and how important was it or that you know it to be here in Las Vegas to make sure that those high school players feel the involvement. Yeah, we did that in Oakland too. And then the good thing about it, they just they just moved it right over here to Las Vegas. And uh, to, uh, to let the high school kids know that they are important to the Raiders. And that's why the Raiders are always as much as they can on Friday nights, have those showcase games and, and we'll have a table or one of the alumni may be signing autographs and taking pictures with the, with the fans uh, of the high schools that's playing or, you know, just, just getting the opportunity to go and talk to the coaches at the high school before the game because I've done that plenty of time or just sitting and ask the kids, you know, which direction are they going in, uh, 
what's your uh, what's your what, what what you thinking about your future? Where you trying to go? And but that's just the way the uh, the Raiders did it in Oakland, and they just brought that same energy right here to Las Vegas. Talking to James Harris, former defensive end in the NFL. I misspoke early. Not 88, 98, and 99. Yeah, uh, played with yeah. the Seahawks. It's came okay. Into okay. The I, I, knew what you, I knew what you meant. Played with the Vikings. Making you older. Played, played with the St. Louis Rams. Okay. But So you and I are along the same same age there, right, right yeah. there. And so we grew up in a time where the NFL was something special, man, when you got – I mean, it's still something special, but – it was so it, – it wasn't as publicized and as big as we see it now as, as much as it's grown. But, man, the days of waking up on Sunday mornings and watching CBS and NBC, NFL Today, Brent Musburger, Brian Gumble, the, the old Raiders with John Madden, right? The Rams were yeah. uh, still in L.A. The Vikings mm-hmm. with Bud Grant. Mm-hmm. When did you know? When did you become in love with, with football itself? And what was your team growing up? And, and was there a dream come true being able to play with a certain team? But to, to talk about just maybe those those late 70s, because I know when I first started following football, who my teams were. I, I'm just curious, because yeah. that was a special time to watch those those shows. And, of course, Monday Night Football with the halftime highlights with Howard Cosell. Well, the thing about this is I've, I've been truly blessed because I've played with my two favorite teams which is the Vikings and the Raiders. The Vikings was my NFC team, and the Raiders was my AFC team as a kid. I started, I started watching football as, as soon as the first time I, I caught Harvard Cosell. I remember days um, on Monday nights that I begged my mom, can I stay up? I just want to watch the, the Monday <laughs> night uh, highlights. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Hear Harvard Cosell and his mm-hmm. commentating and, but like I said, I've been blessed to be able to play for my two favorite teams. I love the Vikings due to their defensive line. Uh, the Vikings had the Purple People Eaters back then when I was coming up as a young man. But I love the Raiders due to their violence on the field. <laughs> if that make any sense. But sure. the, the, the Vikings were so graceful in uh, the way they played. But the but the Raiders was that, that intimidating, um, just turn your head off, win at all costs, and when Al Davis came over just win, baby, that fit the silver and black. You know what I mean? And as a kid, those were my two favorite teams. For me to be able to play for my two teams as a kid, I mean, I need people to get that opportunity. I mean, only in America. <laughs> well, and James, what's, what's great about that is that, and I would have, I don't know for sure, but, you know, um, like I said, we're in the same age bracket, so that single-digit age and you're young and impressionable, the 1976-77 mm-hmm. season, they played, the they Raiders played, played the Vikings, they beat each other. Was that something – Was do you think it was that game that sort of encaptured your attention? Well, not for those two teams. I had already liked those two teams, you know what I'm okay. saying, because my, uh, my, my mom was a big, big football fan, and she loved Alan Page. Okay. And she used to be like, boy, watch watch how these guys in, in Minnesota play. And my mom was a Viking fan. But my stepdad, he was a Raider fan. And he like, oh, no, you know, because, you know, the Raiders came on NBC and the Vikings came on CBS. We didn't have too many channels back then. And uh, if we weren't going to get Pittsburgh, we was going to get the Raiders. If we weren't going to get the Vikings, we was going to get the St. Louis Cardinals, which we hated to watch them. <laughs> but, uh but man, uh, I was just like I said, I was I was blessed to to be able to come back and be able to play for both teams. And and, and the weird thing about it is, I never thought about it until I was almost done playing. 
and somebody asked me the same question, who's your favorite two teams? And I just laughed. I said, it might sound crazy, but I played for my two favorite teams. That's awesome. And special year for the Raiders. I mean, um, started off as far as, you know, in Canton with Tom Flores Mm -hmm. and a good buddy of yours who was just honored last week before the game, Charles Woodson. Um, He received his Hall of Fame and excellence ring of excellence ring. Um, talk a little bit about your relationship with him, and just in general, you know mm-hmm. what what he means to the uh, to the organization and your friendship with him. Well, number one, I I, I met him as a rookie, and uh, he was my corner. He played behind. He was my I played the left end. He played the left corner. And uh, when he first came, they said, well, you know, we had this young rookie out of Michigan, Charles Wilson. I was like, okay, okay. And me and him made a lot of jokes, and we, we became friends. And usually veterans don't too much blend or get with a bunch of rookies. But he was a special type of rookie. Uh, he understood the game. He understood what I needed him to do uh, on certain plays. I, I, and and when you got a, a young guy playing behind you like that, and then you can't do no more. It commend him, and and, and as his, as his career went on, and I stopped playing, I started watching him more and more, and I'm like, man, this young man here is going to be a pro bowler, he's going to end up being a Hall of Famer, and all those things came clear. But me and him as friends, we was friends from the first day that he got there. You know, it was just it was just an instant big brother little brother relationship, and we carry that to today. I, I missed the ceremony. Uh, Last weekend, due to my surgery, I had knee surgery, so I couldn't go out and congratulate him. But I had um, I sent him a video. We had a video of me talking to him and uh, congratulating him and things like that. And he he called me after the ceremony, checked on me, and told me, you know, thanks a lot for the words, man. He's like, big bro, I love you. And I told him I love you too. And and that was the relationship we had from the beginning. And this. This is in 1998, and and this is 2021, and and we we now wavered one time, and and to have a friendship to last that long, there's a lot of things in this world don't last that long, and I got a, I got a a young man that went to the Hall of Fame, and and and, and I knew him as a kid, you know, because when I first met him, he was a kid, he looked like a kid. I I showed uh, Shannon a picture of him as a rookie. And we was playing Kansas City. He was jumping on my back, and I was looking at him like, "Man, get off me, man! We got a bunch <laughs> of games to play." <laughs> That's awesome. uh, James Harris Weathers played with the Raiders in '98, '99. Now he lives in Henderson, doing a lot of good things around the Raiders uh, with the uh, community. Uh, let's wrap on this. So let's talk uh, about the game this weekend and just the rest of the season. Raiders have kind of run into a little bit of a funk here. They got a challenge here. How do they get out of this? And how do they make the, the positive drive to get to the playoffs? What do they need to do? Uh, just. Uh, put all the stuff that that's been in that's been in uh, the news. Just put it behind them. It's going to be there. People going to ask about it. But you got to be able to separate uh, football from m- media problems. And we we've had a lot of problems over the last few weeks. But I think if these young guys accept what this uh, uh, interim coaches is asking them to do, and that's pretty hard because. You know, you 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 was you you was built for John Gruden. He was built. He John built that team for him, not for right. someone else. And right. that's a tough task for for coach the, the, the interim coach to come in 
and try to shape it in his manner in a short period of time. So it's going to take some time. But I think with the, the players that we do have, and that's uh, that's all in because you got to understand, it's a, it could be some guys that may not be all in due to the fact that so many things are going on. And, and, and that's just called being distracted. But if somebody can just pull them in and let them know this is in the past, let it be, let's, let's buckle down for the next month and a half and get these games won. We could be in the thick of the playoffs. And you never know, once you get in the tournament, anything can happen. Anything can happen. This defense is good. you got stars like Crosby and Derek Carr and Darren Waller. Imagine if Waller you know, goes back to his production of last year. They can, they can really close strong. So, James, we hope you're doing well. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, recover quickly from your surgery, and we'd love to get you on uh, down the road. Thank you so much. Hey. hey, man, I love talking with you guys. And, hey, to Raider Nation, we love you. We're going we're gonna to get all this fixed. We're going to get it fixed. Trust in the Raiders. There you go. Thanks, James. Thank you. James Harris, former Oakland Raider, 98-99, guy went to Temple, good success story in the National Football League and played on some really, um, I'll say, building block teams because both of his teams won 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, His 98 team was 7-3 and three and then kind of folded down the stretch, but they both went 8-8 eight and eight under Gruden. And then after that, two more years of Gruden, a year of Callahan, and they, uh, 2000, 2001, 2002, uh, they had double-digit wins each one of those seasons. Right now, giveaway time after the Raiders games. Raiders game against Cincinnati right across the street. Crazy Horse 3. Gentlemen's Club. Awesome after party. We got VIP treatment. We got tables and a bucket. We'll get you and uh, your friends in. Uh, we'll do two of those. Two VIP treatments. Fox Sports Radio and Greg Salerno is going to be down there hosting the party from 4 to 7. So after the game, you go over. You're in. They've got a great kitchen. Uh, pizza and sandwiches and uh, seasoned wings. You can grab those. Also, happy hour drink specials as well. If you don't win the VIP, 364-1100, caller 6 and 7. If you don't win the VIP treatment, you just go there with a ticket. Admission is free, and you're all set up. You can go see Greg, and he's going to have a bunch of prizes as well. Crazy Horse 3 after party, 364-1100. couple of winners right now for VIP treatment after the game between uh, LVR and Cincy. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Thursday means Xavier Pope is in on Cofield and Company, so uh, I want to start out talking some hoopage. You know, I was one of the people out there, and I'm sure a lot of uh, Bulls fans said the same thing, but I was really high on the Bulls' moves in the offseason. Yeah, they lost last night. Tough road spot against Portland, but uh, this has been quite the start, and I saw you trumpeting last night, DeMar DeRozan as the NBA MVP. Yeah, uh, I said that DeMar Rosen was the MVP, and he's he's been spectacular, but I'm going to pull that back a bit. You know, I think Steph Curry <laughs> <laughs> will have to watch him play. Yeah. <laughs> it's Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. But like, it's, to me, it's a three-headed race, though. It's Steph Curry, it's Kevin Durant, and it's, it's DeMar Rosen. I think those two, three players, are that, that's your three-headed MVP race. It's hard to win games on a, on, a, on a swing to a different coast. And guys kind of lost a little momentum, a little – they got tired because the Bulls started out winning that game. Lost a little little steam at the end. So uh, that happens during the NBA season. You're not going to win every game. Um, but the Bulls have been impressive. Um, one of the best teams in the league so far. And the East is going to be wild because, uh, you know, you've got health issues and COVID issues with some of the top teams. The Bucks are off to kind of a crappy start. And I, I find it really funny that – um, and I love Stephen A. And I, you know, I like what First Take does. But once they get a narrative, they're just going to pound it, regardless of what the truth is. 
And with the Brooklyn Nets, like he's just annihilating Kyrie Irving. Like the Nets have moved on for now. They're off to a pretty solid start. I like the way James Harden's you know out there playing. He doesn't have to average 35 points a game. And yet they just keep annihilating the Nets. The Nets are fine. I tweeted about this already on my Xavier Pope timeline. See, um, two things. I first said that that all the hoopla about the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving, they're sitting at the top of the tide, at the top of the Eastern Conference, number one. Number two, um, we've heard so much about the, the Brooklyn Nets, and here are no one's criticizing the Milwaukee Bucks. They're the defending champions. They won the whole thing. They don't have an issue with one of their players and not playing and all that. No, they have their mostly complimentary guy. Yes, we know that Giannis scored 47 at a spectacular game last night. But they're sitting there in 11th place in the Eastern Conference right now, and they're not getting nowhere near the amount of smoke um, that the Brooklyn Nets are getting. For good reason, definitely Kyrie, the player, should take all the smoke. But you can't place that on James Harden or Kevin Durant having an MVP season. I, I think it, I think the narrative is overblown. Xavier Pope is with us, attorney out of Chicago. joins us every Thursday here at Silver Sevens on Cofield and Company. So these are... Interesting follows. I'm I'm really disturbed by the fact that people have kind of made him into TV shows and have picked sides. I mean, people died in these cases. You've got murder trials going on right now in Wisconsin and Georgia. And, boy, it disturbs me that people are taking sides. Like, someone is dead. Multiple people are dead in the Wisconsin case. Um, how unique is it that we see murder trial defendants taking the stand in the case of Rittenhouse and this uh, this cat who gunned down Ahmaud Arbery? Normally, defendants don't take the stand in their own defense. Uh, the only way, because you have opportunity as a defendant, to that's why you have the lawyer. They're there to go through the evidence, pre-trial motions, some of their, their direct and uh, uh, various witnesses and cross-examinations cross of some of the prosecution witnesses. The goal of that is to sow reasonable doubt in the jury. And that's the that's how you win as a defendant. So you don't go up there in your own defense and incriminate yourself and put yourself in a position on cross-examination that you could be lead to all different types of questions, even if you didn't do the crime, to be made, made look, look guilty in front of a juror, jury. But the only way that changes is if you have something related to playing into the bias of the jury. There are statistics that show that juries have been biased in terms of when it comes to race. Now, you know, in the Rittenhouse case, the, the def defendant and the, and the victims were, they were white, but it all centered around what happened with Jacob Blake, who was a black man. So it was a racialized situation, and the defense specifically wanted to play on the rate, the maybe potential bias in the jury having uh, 11 white jurors, and that's why he was on the stand. And that's why the, the, the only one defendant is there and where those who killed and lynched Ahmaud Arbery, uh, we don't know whether the father of Mc, uh, McMichael um, is going to take the stand. We know that uh, the other gentleman who filmed the encounter, he's saying that he's not going to take the stand. And that says a lot about what they think about their case. So we bring in Xavier to talk about uh, legal stuff and, and you know sports stuff that involves legal issues. And, and this one, I maybe it's normal. This case with Vanessa Bryant and L.A. County is really interesting where the judge is going to allow therapy records to be opened, I guess, to see if Vanessa Bryant really has you know suffered mentally from these photos that were leaked by the uh, sheriff's department is this unusual it's absolutely unusual and it's outrageous uh typically therapy records you know you you're looking in terms of bills and the amount in, in, a, in a, a number of sessions to look at the, 
the quantity of the services used and you're going to take that into consideration. But in terms of looking at and breaking another privilege, uh, therapy, the privilege that's there to do this, it's outrageous for this judge. Um, and it creates an appealable issue um, if uh, Vanessa Bryant were to lose on any in the case at all. So it, you know, it's, it's just outrageous. It's something that just shocks the conscience and how she processed the death of her husband and her daughter in such a tragic way and how it's impacted her. Um, it's disgusting. Um, it's something that is that should not have been done. But we see it here in this case. Essentially, the county saying we don't believe that you really suffered. I mean, that's that's, wow. that's fine. Okay. The, 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 the county, you know, le- listen here, as lawyers can do some really, really seemingly disgusting things on the surface. But what they're doing, what one of your job ethical duties is that is to defend your client. So if you're seeking to lessen the amount of damages for something, an incident where someone is harmed and had to, and there's a mounting therapy deals, you want to be able to reduce that as much as possible to, to reduce the amount of damages that you have. And so that's part of the course. Getting it allowed is a whole nother ballgame. Well, speaking of uh, Kobe Bryant, a lot of memories were made at the Lakers arena. Uh, they're going to change the naming rights on the Lakers and Kings arena and Clippers arena. What do you think of this? A really big deal being made out of the name going from the uh, – I don't know what you want to call it, office supply store to uh, crypto area. What do you make of this? Well, Steve, it's not the fact that it's it's crypto.com and people are, some people are like out of Staples Center. It always will be. We had the Great Western Forum before the Lakers <laughs> exactly. played someplace else. So please, en- enough of that. Like, it, I, that, I think that's silly. Um, and Staples is a company. OK, you're this is this is not some like old guy that, that loved the team that's it's named after. Uh, but it's in LA, and it, it, you shorten the name. It's like Crypt, Crypt, and, and Crips are mm-hmm. a gang in LA, and mm-hmm. it's notorious across the country. And so it's just a, a funny place to call a place where primarily African Americans play, where there's a black gang that your name put, that sounds similar to the stadium. But then some people say we hate Staples, so we're thinking about the Crypt, and that trended last night in terms of the Crypt Keeper and the Tales from the Crypt, and that never entered my mind at all. Um, and talking about, but you know, people have their different ways of perceiving things. A lot. Also, what trended, Steve, was Sears Tower, the 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 giant tower here in Chicago that is called the Willis Tower. No one in Chicago ever calls it the Willis Tower. I don't call it the Willis Tower, but I really don't care if it's called Sears or Willis. Although Sears is now pretty much done as a business, right? Um, but whatever. I mean, I don't care. You call it what you want. Yeah. They pay for the name. They get the name. And you would, whatever you call it, whatever you want, it's not going to change what happens with the name of the state. Right. And I've always pointed out they don't pay me. So, like, <laughs> exactly. I, you know, not not that my endorsements are worth a, a hill of beans, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't have to freaking mention the name. Everyone knows in this case it's uh, the Lakers Arena or the new forum. But one thing I did want to get into um, are there potential legal issues down the road? The, the number that this uh, crypto company is paying is staggering. It's supposedly upwards yeah. of like $700 million. Now, I don't know how much of that uh, AEG and the you know the Lakers are getting up front, but it was interesting. Our buddy Arash Markazi, who's a you know big media personality in LA, in LA said that uh, this is the beginning of a massive renovation of the arena. Are there going to be problems down the road? Like, I, I don't know how these deals work. Like, We've seen naming rights deals go south when the company's like, yeah, we don't have the money anymore. This didn't work out the way we thought it was going to work out. 
Yeah, and that, that's why you have lawyers to, yeah. to battle, battle this <laughs> Give stuff. Give us our money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the the timeline of how they get fiat currency, I'm pretty sure that I don't think all that num- all that money is going to be delivered in crypto. Um, but I know we see crypto. It, it, I think like this is one of the biggest moves that ever happened in the history of cryptocurrency that has leg- that legitimizes cryptocurrency as a form of mainstream currency. So I'm really intrigued as to how those payments will take place, the timeline of those payments, and what percentage of that payments are going to be made in fiat versus crypto, and how that's going to to be part of the deliverables of what's going to be done in the future naming rights of the stadium and who takes over after their finish. We need to close on a sports note, and it's not really an important sports note, but I think it's of note because of the reaction. So people pick sides in the Aaron Rodgers uh, vaxxed and unvaxxed thing, and that really wasn't the story. The story was the fib and the not wearing the mask and not following the rules. If you notice this week, Joe Flacco, for some reason, is getting the starting starting spot this week for the Jets. But Joe Flacco walked out to the press conference, had a mask on. People were like, oh, he's unvaxxed. That was the end of it. That was the end of it. Because that's all people were asking for is just, just tell us the truth. So then people on the other end of whatever interview know what's going on and, and they can take precautions. So that the Rodgers thing got blown up so much about vax versus unvax, and he really wanted to make a statement by throwing in Joe Rogan. But in the end, most of us are just like, dude, just be truthful so we know what we're dealing with in the workplace. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's Aaron Rodgers throwing a giant tantrum because this was the first time in his career he ever faced any real scrutiny as right. a player and as a person. And I think that he just didn't know how to handle that. He didn't do he didn't do a good job of doing so and decided to create all these different cultural uh, narratives um, that really painted him to be of not of, of sound character as a person. And now people look at Aaron Rodgers differently than they did before. He didn't have to do that. Um, and it, in, in a time of, they, you know, there is a saying that that you know, Martin Luther King, he tried to misquote uh, someone's life is not judged by when things are going good or, but when 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 they're faced with these this adversity and these different situations and Aaron Rodgers was faced with tremendous amount of adversity he just didn't handle it well he showed his real character by the way when someone like Aaron Rodgers and by someone I mean white uses MLK quote is that appropriation does it bother people like I just stop it stop it yes using MLK to quote the things that he stood for yep good Okay. Intentionally using him to deflect from your garbage. Yep. Bad. So as a shield, ridiculous. Yes, absolutely. And we and everyone, it's it's the smell test. You know it when you smell it. You know it when you see it. We know when you're being disingenuous. And we knew in that situation, Aaron Rodgers was being disingenuous. Those that try to paint vaccinations and try to quote Martin Luther King or try to talk about the Holocaust, or all these different things that are really this not just disingenuous they're incendiary and i think it's incendiary and it's a thing it's people are embracing normalizing a certain level of awfulness that we just shouldn't there's still we just i just looked at the statistics showing that they're in that the covid cases are ticking up we still have a responsibility to each other not just in public health but in how we treat each other in our society and in our laws and in our public forums we gotta do better and I, I feel like this is a lesson that we should have learned over the last year and a half and it's a ton of people who flat out have not. I like that. That's why Xavier's on. I'm asking a question. I'm going long. He's like, all right, enough. Let's just get to it. Stop. I appreciate it. 
And got to keep it real with you, man. Like, you know, I think that that's we need we need enough voices yeah. that are really, really leading on the brilliant issues that matter, whether it's sports, whether it's politics, whether it's law, whether it's business, whether it's society. We need people that are bold for the right things, not the stuff that's garbage and are loud and these voices that are just running off like crazy sirens. We need big voices for the big things for all of us. Xavier, great spot. We'll talk to you. Thanks, my man. There he is, Xavier Pope, attorney out of Chicago. Joins us every Thursday right here on Cofield & Company at Silver 7s. His spot today is brought to you by our pals at Battleborn Injury Lawyers here in Las Vegas. Do you have full coverage on your auto insurance? Do you even know what that actually means? Justin Watkins and Matt Hoffman can fill you in because they hear from clients all the time that they have full coverage, and then they're shocked when they find out they'll be out of pocket for medical expenses, property damages, or even car payments for an accident they did not cause. People think they're protected, but you're not. So we're going to make it easy, or at least Battleborn Injury Lawyers is going to make it easy. Justin and Matt are telling you, call them right now, 570-9000, 570-9000, and they'll go over your auto insurance policy to see what it does and doesn't do. And it's a free call. Any legal advice needed, if you have legal problems right now, give them a call. Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. At the William Hill Race and Sportsbook, sign up for the mobile betting app and get $50 added to your account.